Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, church family. Morning. morning. You guys are wide awake. So you slept in from the fireworks last night. Uh, that's awesome. I went to sleep. I didn't watch any fireworks. But my name is Brandon. I'm our Community Next Steps pastor. If you're a guest this morning, I am so glad you're here. And we're at the kickoff of our summer mixtape. I remember back in the day, I had this boom box. It would hold two cassette tapes. Some of you are Googling that right now, but a cassette tape, you could put that in there, and uh, you could have your jam on the one side, and then you could record that jam over to the other tape, and then you'd go borrow your buddy's tape because he had that other jam that you wanted, and mine was pretty cool because it had like a little microphone built into there, so I could pretend to be like a DJ in between the songs. I thought it was awesome. It was really horrible, actually. So, but our, this teaching series is kind of that same concept, that we're going to grab the best jams from our buddies. We're going to have Pastor Patricia, Pastor Josh, Pastor Josh Brown, JB, our worship leader, and Pastor Ryan. Uh, we're all just going to give these standalone messages. So you don't want to miss the next jam, so you've got to come uh, every week. And today I'm going to talk about and have a conversation, hopefully, about prayer uh, today. And so if you're a guest and you're like kind of checking out what this whole uh, Jesus thing is, um, I'm probably going to give you more reasons to think that Christians are weird. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a weird Christian. Um, there's probably at least a couple other in here um, that would say that they're weird too. But yeah. Okay. So what is prayer? My clicker's not working. What am I doing wrong, Nick? There we go. Okay. Um, I'm just going to give you a heads up right now. We could spend a whole teaching series on this concept of prayer. I'm going to go like 900 miles an hour, and I'm going to skip. A, like, like we can't go down every single bunny trail. But my motives and my heart, like I'm laying my cards out on the table, is to just spur something inside of you, maybe to give you more confidence in your prayer life, that's all I'm trying to accomplish today. So you guys ready? Yeah? All right. We'll pull our hair back and let's get it blown. So what is prayer? I went to the World Wide Web. This is what Google said. What is going on with my clicker? Okay. Google says, a solemn request for help or an expression of thanks addressed to God or an object of worship. A religious service, especially a regular one. How about that? We meet every week here. A regular one at which people gather in order to pray together in an earnest hope or a wish. I actually think, like, I actually agree with that definition. I think that's awesome. I mean, sometimes you got to kind of question what the old Google will say to you. But that one, I, I actually, I liked it. But honestly, is prayer important? I mean, we... You know, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, like, we get, like, following Jesus is important, but, like, how important is this whole, like, prayer thing if I'm supposed to do this Jesus thing? Uh, great quote here from S.D. Gordon. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer and not those who can explain about prayer, but I mean those people, read these words with me, take the people that take time and pray. 
So don't be the guy on the stage talking about prayer. Actually pray. It doesn't uh, end there. They have not time. It must be taken from something else. And this something else is important. Very important and pressing, but still less important and less pressing than prayer. And so we need to carve out time for prayer, uh, even though there's these important things that do come, right? Like we get that text message or that email or that phone call that radically can change a, an entire hour, day, and year sometimes, right? But even those things are less pressing than prayer. And maybe we can even press in and pray about those things. So when should we pray? Is this like... Uh, only at mealtime sort of thing, or if we got the little ones, we tuck them in and, and we pray with the kids. Like, I mean, when, when, do we, when should we pray? Uh, great theologian Charles Spurgeon says, we should pray when we are in a praying mood, for it would be sinful to neglect so fair an opportunity. It's like, all right, that jives with me. Like, I totally get that. There's times where I feel super spiritual and I want to pray a little bit more. But he doesn't end there. He says, we should pray when we're not in a proper mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in so unhealthy a condition. Like, our attitude, regardless of where our emotions are at, we should always have an attitude to be ready to pray. But what if we forget? Like, what if we neglect it sort of thing? Like, what if we just, we get up, we kind of do our thing all day long, um, and then, gee whiz, we're, we're laying down in bed in the evening and, like, we forget uh, that we, man, we didn't even pray once today, sort of thing. Like, w what happens if that happens, sort of thing? Uh, here's a great quote from R.C. Sproul. He says, the neglect of prayer is a major cause of stagnation in the Christian life. Friends, like, if we're in a weird spot in our walk, like if we've been walking with Jesus for a while and we feel kind of stagnant, I ask you, how's your prayer life? What does your prayer life look like? Because I think that greatly affects our spiritual walk. Keeps going. Consider the example of Peter in Luke 22. I'll unpack this in just a second. Peter did not pray, and as a result, he fell into temptation. What is true of Peter is true of all of us. We fall in private before we ever fall in public. And this chunk of scripture here in Luke 22 uh, is when Jesus, right before he got arrested, he went to the Mount of Olives and he started praying because he knew what was getting ready to happen. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he's going to be tried. He knew that he's going to be tortured and nailed to a cross and die. Like he knew that was going to happen. And so he went to Mount Olives, and he was basically praying for a plan B. He's like, God, if, if you could take this cup from me. But he understood the gravity of the situation, and so he had a few of his disciples come. There was, there was I mean, some could argue thousands of people that would follow Jesus. Then there was the 72, then there was the 12, and then there was the 3. So even Jesus had, like, his, his posse, his dudes, uh, this inner circle that he had, and he asked them to come with him. So he had Peter, James, and John come up to the mountainside, and he said, hey, look, I need you to wait here and to pray. And scripture says that he was a stone throw away, and he started praying. And he was in anguish because he knew what was going to happen. Now, I've had some snot bubble prayers before. I have been anguished 
But scripture says that he was sweating drops of blood. Like, I mean, that's nuts, right? Like, that's crazy. I've never been so anguished that it was sweating drops of blood. Like, I mean, that's just weird. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm glad you're here. I told you I was going to give you reasons to think that we're more weird. So Jesus said, hey, guys, I want you to pray. I go over here. He prays for a little bit. And he comes back, and his dudes are sleeping. He's like, man, you couldn't even pray for one hour? And then the soldiers come to arrest Jesus. Judas betrayed him. The soldiers come. He kisses them. And Peter's like, no, oh, you're not taking my dude. And he pulls out a sword, and he lops one of the soldiers' ears off. Like I said, it's really weird, right? And Jesus is like, no, that's not how we're going to do it. You live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. And he heals the soldier's ear instantly. But here's the thing. What if, what if Peter would have been on his knees in private before this moment? Would that situation have been different? What if Peter would have fell on his knees in private? How would that have affected him public? So then the question becomes to us is, what does it look like for us to pray on a daily basis, maybe even first thing in the morning, like it's the first thing that we do before we even start the day, and does that affect us in the public? Just an interesting example. But honestly, can God really even handle our prayers? I mean, because, I mean, I got some stuff that I want to tell him. Can, can he handle it? The way that person treated me, the loss of that baby that we tried so hard for, can God really handle my prayers? Because I want to let him have it. Psalms tells us that we trust in him at what? All times, you people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. God, he is after your heart. And yes, we can pour out every aspect of it. It's not that we just pour out some of it. We pour all of it out on him. He's got big shoulders. He can handle it. And to be honest and transparent with you, there's been times where I've literally cussed at God in prayer in my own life. I just, I didn't know where else to go with it. I had so much anger and so much resentment and bitterness and so, man, I let God have it. But he says to trust in him at all times. And that we can pour out our hearts. Sorry, I didn't realize the microphone was out. So what about the disciples? I mean, did they pray? Like, how did they pray? And what did that look like sort of thing? And we're going to look at two different accounts of the gospel. You know, technology is great when it works, and then apparently when you have small ears or something. Jeez. When the clicker doesn't work, the microphone falls off your ear. All right. So what about the disciples? And so we're going to look at two different gospel accounts. And there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's all about the life of Jesus. And so it's kind of like this part of the audience sees the water bottle from here. And this part of the audience sees the water bottle from that angle. But we're both looking at the water bottle. We just have different perspectives. And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John look at the life of Jesus. And they have different examples. And we're going to unpack this here. 
So one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. There's multiple scriptures where it says Jesus is praying. So if Jesus, the son of God, who's perfect, did nothing absolutely wrong, but he's constantly going off and praying, like, dang, like, how much more do I need to be praying? So what a wonderful example. And I think the disciples saw something about this in his walk. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, say these words with me, teach us, teach us to pray. Now, let's put this into context. Like, Jesus, he did some awesome stuff, right? Like, he would spit in the ground and make some mud. He'd rub that mud on people's uh, eyes that were blind, and then all of a sudden they could see. He could slay a sermon. This dude could preach. When he was 12 years old, Scripture tells us, even the teachers are like, dang, that guy knows how to preach. He would cast out demons. He would do all these weird, crazy things. But in my time spending in the Bible, not once have I ever read a verse that said from the disciples, hey, Jesus, yo, like teach us how to do that mud thing so we can go heal blind people. Yo, Jesus, man, you know how to preach. Can you give us your sermon notes? Like how do you do that? Jesus, how do you cast out these demons? Because we need to get rid of these guys. Not once have I read a single verse that ever asked that question, but we read this of the disciples are like, teach Teach us how to pray. And so I think there was something very unique and something very special about the way that Jesus prayed that the disciples are like, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is how he responded in Matthew. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us. Yeah. That's awesome. You guys nailed it. First service didn't pick on that. <laughs> I, I grew up in the church, and I memorized that in the old King James. Like, we, I, I prayed it a lot. But Jesus has said, this is how you should pray. He didn't say, this is the prayer to pray. So I think Jesus gave us a model of how to pray. And honestly, like seriously, we could spend a whole teaching series unpacking the Lord's Prayer, if you have any kind of church background. We, we could spend a whole series on that, and I'm going to skim right through it, so hold on. Maybe. My gas pedal stuck. Intimacy. Our Father. In the original language, it would be Abba. It, it's this idea of daddy, that we can have this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. You know, I, I, my girls, they still like me, and, and they'll still curl up into my lap and snuggle with me, and oh, man, I'll tell you what, that fills the love tank. Like, I just, I love it when my daughters do that, and I just, ugh, it just feels so good. We can have that same exact relationship with God. We can have that daddy relationship, you know, and, and sometimes our perspective can be skewed to that depending on what our relationship is with our earthly daddy. Please hear me on this. Regardless of how that was, you can have a personal, deep, passionate relationship with God, which is very intimate. You can have that daddy relationship. 
but it doesn't stay there. There's this idea, hallowed be thy name. It's this idea of reverence, respect. A lot of scriptures will use the word fear, and it's totally in the concept of that we respect God. Like, he gave us breath. He's the reason why we have blood flowing through our veins. Like, he, he is creator out of nothing, where we create things out of things. He creates out of nothing. And so there's this reverence, this respect for him. God, we want to experience heaven here now. Could we experience that? God, we pray for your will to be done today. We get up and we say, God, I have this agenda, but you know what? I'm going to put my agenda to the side. I pray for your will to be done in and through my life today. God, you have given me a job, which has given me a paycheck which has allowed me to go to the grocery store to go get groceries, and I'm able to put those groceries in the cupboard, in the home that you have provided. And so now I have this roof over my head. I have clothes on my back. God, thank you so much for your provision in my life. God, I've screwed up again. Please forgive me. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess our sins, he will forgive us. It's awesome. But the hard part is we have to forgive other people as well. But those people hurt us. And what they said to us absolutely is devastating in the way that they treat us. And ladies, hear me on this. This isn't a reason to be a doormat. There's no reason why you should continue to take that abuse. But at some point, somehow, you have to forgive. But that's not an excuse to stay in that unhealthy relationship. We have to forgive others the same way that we have been forgiven. And maybe that prayer for you is, God... Would you reveal to me that grace that you have poured out onto me? Because I need to splash some of that onto this other person because I don't know how to forgive them. I don't know what that looks like for you. God, I don't know what the destination is, but I ask that you would guide each one of my steps and one at a time. God, would you guide and direct where I need to go. In this decision that I should or should not do, I need you to guide in that. And God, there's an enemy of my soul who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so God, I ask for protection for my wife. I ask for protection for my kids. Would you come in and protect So there's structure to the prayer, but I love this quote. Prayer requires structure, but not at the expense of spontaneity. And so maybe this situation just comes up out of nowhere. That doesn't mean you have to pray like through that model. It's more about the heart. And so maybe we can pray for this particular situation because we got that text or that email or the phone call. It's like, oh boy, did I go through each one of those steps? That doesn't matter. Spontaneity is more important. But... What would it look like, church family? If you're a follower of Jesus and and you consider this whole prayer thing important, what would it look like to start praying this model of prayer? Maybe there would be a little bit more lividity or a little bit more weight 
to our prayers if we started praying the one model that Jesus gave us and that one time that the disciples were like, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, here's a model. What would it look like for us to start praying that way? I think it would just wreck this zip code. So what can hinder my prayer? Is there anything that might like slow down the connection or something that would completely block my prayer from God? Like, is that even possible? Well, I think Scripture actually talks about these things. And I love the book of James. This dude, he's like right in your face, rubber meet the road, black and white. He's got ADD because he goes from one subject to another, uh, maybe kind of like this message today. But he says this, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. He goes right at it. Like, do we pray with the wrong motives of, dear Lord Jesus, would you give me the right numbers as I fill out this ticket, and may you bless me with the five bazillion dollars, amen. Like, let's be honest, like, the motives in that prayer is pretty jacked up. So, maybe our motives are wrong in the way that we pray. And maybe we don't even realize it, that our motives are jacked up. When we pray, at least in private prayer, it's difficult to do out of a false motive. Here's the thing. When we're praying by ourselves, no one else is around, and it's you and God, like who are you going to fake it with? You, you can't fake it with God. Like he, he knows where our heart is. Like he, We can't fake our motives when it's just him and us. And so if you're, if you're a married couple, like you need to have your own prayer times, oh, like in your own walk. Yes, pray with your spouse. I would strongly encourage that. But we need to be praying in our own individual walks. Sometimes we doubt our prayers. This is what Jesus says. He says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Another word that we could put in with believe is trust. We can trust that God hears our prayers. Now, obviously, if our motives are good, God will hear our prayers. We can't, we have to believe that there is this connection between us and God. That's that whole faith thing. And sometimes we allow this thing called doubt to creep into our lives, and we don't believe that our prayers are even being done. Back to that whole forgiveness thing. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, read these two words with me. Forgive them. That may have tasted bad coming out of the mouth. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. We're not meant to carry these burdens. What they did was awful. The way that situation was handled was completely inappropriate. But we have to forgive. That same grace that is poured on us, we need to pour onto others. God's primary way that he speaks to us is through his word. If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instructions, even their prayers are detestable. Dang, that is some strong language. So if we're spending time in the Word, 
which is God's primary way that he speaks to us. I mean, he spoke in people's dreams. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through a donkey. He's been using them ever since. Like, God speaks to people in a, a bunch of different ways, but primarily through his word, the Bible, and when we spend time with it. And so if we are reading in the word and maybe there's this little prick in our heart and we know that we're supposed to go do something, but we go, la, 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 I can't hear you, I can't hear you, like we do that, our prayers are detestable. Like we throw these little kid fits and we kind of pretend like this thing didn't happen because we don't want to deal with this truth. Some of you are familiar with what's called the five love languages. I think there's a sixth one with God. I think it's obedience. I think when we are obedient to what God has asked us to do, it's our way of showing him that we love him. And it's not that he's going to love us any more than what he already does, but it's our way of expressing our love to him when we are obedient. Sometimes our prayers are hindered literally because we don't even know what to pray about. That simple. If, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives what? Generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. Once again, believe, trust, faith. And not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Honestly, sometimes we don't even know what to pray about, so we can ask for wisdom. We can ask for discernment. Sometimes when uh, someone says, hey, I'm going in for surgery, would you pray for me? I pray that prayer. Like, Jesus, would you be with this doctor? Would you be with these nurses? And would you give them wisdom and discernment that is beyond their education? And I say that prayer because doctors and nurses have to do a lot of education to do what they do, right? But what does it look like if we don't even know what to pray and we're like, God, I need wisdom right now. Well, Scripture tells us that he'll give it to us and he's generous about it. So there you go. Now this next one, ladies, you can check out for just a couple of seconds. Dudes who are married, this one's for you. Husbands, in the same way, be what? Consider it as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. I forgot to put that in there. So that nothing will hinder your prayers. Be considerate of her emotions. Be considerate of her physical well-being. Because let's be honest, dudes, like sometimes our motives are pretty jacked up, right? And we're not being considerate of her. And as the guy who has to talk about this, you're always challenged with that, especially the week before you give that message, right? So my wife, who's led kids camp this week, 24 kids got saved, by the way. Let's praise God on that. <laughs> 24 kids accepted Jesus. It's awesome. So my wife, she worked very hard. This week, we had two weddings, we had district conference, and I was preaching. But scripture told me that I didn't want my prayers being hindered for you guys today, that I need to be considerate of my wife. And I said, hey, I hope she gave me a passing grade for service. She yelled out, I got an A+. So 
I'm going to take that as a win. But seriously, dudes, like do we, what does it even mean to consider our wives' emotional and physical well-being? And what does it mean to even study our wives? And that's a whole other sermon series right there. But for you and for me, I don't want my prayers to be hindered because I wasn't loving my wife the way that God's word told me. And there's something very powerful about the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm going to kind of lean on the side that if there's a guy who came and lived, died, three days later rose from the grave, there's going to be something going on with this guy, and there's probably something going on with his name. Jesus tells us in John, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So maybe if you are a praying person and you haven't prayed in the name of Jesus, there's a tool for you. Shove that one in your tool pouch. There's something very powerful about the name of Jesus and when we pray. So what about Satan? We don't talk about that guy very often, and it gets kind of weird, right? Like there's this devil, there's Satan, there's this enemy of our soul. Like, what, what is prayer going to have to do with this guy? So I want to go back to a letter that Peter wrote. Remember, he, I'm thinking he's the guy that pulled out his sword, soldier's ear off, like he didn't fall in private before he fell in public. And I think he got that, and I think he learned his lesson from that moment. And he wrote this letter, and it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, let's be honest. Like, it's weird talking about Satan, and maybe you hear this word called spiritual warfare. I, actually, that's two words. But, like, that's kind of weird. Like, we don't talk about it too often. And, and as I've grown in my relationship with Jesus, I think I've always known like that it kind of existed, but honestly, I just shoved my head in the sand. I didn't want to deal with it. And I told you last week um, that I was going to share why God woke me up at 2.30 in the morning. So a while ago, knowing that I was even going to be preaching, uh, it was about 2.20, 2.30 in the morning, I woke up out of a dead sleep. It's like, you need to get on your knees and pray. It's like, okay, so I kind of sneak out of the bed, I go into our bathroom, I shut the door because I didn't want to wake up my wife, and I'm literally on my knees in front of the vanity, and I didn't even know what to pray. So I just started saying, Jesus, Jesus, because there's something powerful in the name of Jesus. Like, I knew that much, but there's something powerful in the name of Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. I, I might have even got a little southern gospel in there. I was like, Jesus, Jesus. And I just started praying, and geez, the flood work started coming, filled up a paper towel. But I, I didn't have this sense to go back to bed yet. So then I move out to the living room, and I start praying for my wife. And I start praying for each one of my kids individually. I fill up another paper towel. Like there was this very real thing that happened, and I still didn't go to bed yet. And I'm sitting on the couch, and it was almost like a, like a switch that got flipped. I could sense 
this hatred that Satan had for me. I, I, I could almost feel it, and I know that's weird, but since that moment, I've had three different conversations with people without telling them that story that we're talking about spiritual warfare stuff. And then I knew that I was going to be speaking about prayer. And so it's like, how do we equip the saints? You are the saints. And we go through this whole thing, and we, we learn about Peter and kind of fallen, and he writes this thing. Well, I want to play you a video that I think will kind of help give a little bit more weight to this verse. Now, it is a little bit graphic, and it's kind of like National Geographic type of thing. So if you're a little squeamish, that was your warning. There is an enemy of our soul. And, and I share that because I want you to feel that. There's an enemy that wants to take you down with no regard. He, he wants you to die. He wants to kill your marriage. He wants to devour your children for generations to come. He wants you to be depressed. He wants to steal all of your joy. He wants to destroy your life with addictions, anxiety, and bitterness. And Peter says, no, you need to be of sober mind because there is this enemy of our soul. And Paul, who wrote a large portion of our Newer Testament, wrote this letter to, this, uh, to Ephesus. And he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And the idea with strong here is, ah, stupid clicker. <laughs> against the spiritual forces of, this, uh, of evil in the heavenly realms. Where is my slide? Can you help me, Nick, and find that quote? I don't, is it on the next one? There. Thank you for being patient with me. The well-armed soldier in Christ's army's definition is continually praying in the spirit and being alert. And so Paul, he, he talked about praying and uh, he went through this whole thing about armor. And honestly, we could spend like a whole teaching series talking about armor. But Paul says to pray and to pray continually. And so there's something very powerful. And there is this evil force. And there's something happening in the, the heavenly realms. And so we need to be sober-minded. We need to be alert. And not standing in our strength, but in God's strength. Because we talk about how you need to be strong and stuff. It's like, no, I mess things up. I am weak. I am strong. And I'm standing on this stage because of what Jesus is doing in and through my life. It's God's strength that we stand. And he is, he's given us tools to fight this enemy. To, to be alert and to take that lion down because this lion wants to devour us. And so that's kind of like a Debbie Downer sort of thing. Like, wow, Brandon, that kind of just took a dive, right? But guess what? Jesus has the last word because, well, he's Jesus. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world, read these four words with me, friends. Following Jesus doesn't mean it's riding the unicorn into the rainbow. If you heard that gospel preached, I'm really sorry. But even Jesus says, you 
have trouble. But, this is a big but, you know what I'm saying? But, take heart. I have overcome the world. So Lord willing, I've given you these things, things that could hinder our prayers, why we should pray, that it's important. Maybe there's something that spurred that on and we're down in the dumps and we realize that lion is after us and it's choking us by the throat and it's taking us down. Jesus says, I've overcome the world. Take heart. It's like, all right, Brandon, like, so, like, like, how do I do the prayer thing? I love this quote from R.C. Sproul. Finally, if there's a secret to learning how to pray, it is no different from that of any other endeavor. To become accomplished in anything, we must practice. If we want to learn how to pray, then we must pray and to continue to pray. So if you feel like, man, I hear some of those prayers from the stage and like my prayers don't sound anything like that, practice. It's not like we're super professional at praying. It's just we've been practicing for a while. And so if you're a new follower of Jesus, practice and keep practicing. I mean, do we think that Michael Jordan was just good overnight? He practiced. And if you're a LeBron fan, he practiced too. I'm old school. I was actually a Pistons guy, but that's a whole other story. But we need to practice in our prayer. So I want to end this whole conversation with a question and a statement. And the question is this. If our prayer life is a thermometer, what is the temperature of your spiritual walk? Because Scripture talks Uh, Jesus was talking about this church in Revelation and about being lukewarm and it'd be better if you're hot or if you're cold. But what is the temperature of your spiritual walk? And then I'd ask you, like, how was that affected in your prayer life? Because if our prayer life is a thermometer, what is the temperature of our spiritual walk? Because prayer isn't just for the churchy people. It's for you and it's for me to be connected to Jesus. It's for you and for me to be connected to Jesus. A long time ago, they used to have phones on the walls. And they were connected to these boxes. And these boxes had tapes in them. And one tape would record your message, but one tape was the announcement tape. I remember shortly after my mom passed away, I I heard her voice on the answer machine. I felt connected to my mom again. She wasn't there, but I felt connected with my mom. When we pray, we're connected with Jesus. So if there's anything that you could grab out of me going 500 miles an hour, just know that you can be connected with Jesus in prayer. I pray that you are spurred on and encouraged in your walk. I pray that you would have more confidence in your prayer life. Because honestly, I think this message totally sets up the next 
of the rest of the mixtape. I don't know what they're going to speak on, but if we're praying from here on out, giddy up. It's going to be awesome. I want to pray for you guys. So let's connect to Jesus together. Jesus, thank you that you came, lived, died, and rose again. That we can come into relationship with you. Thank you that we can be connected. And Lord, maybe there was something that was revealed to us um, that may have been hindering our prayers. Lord, I just want to pause for just a moment in silence and allow people to humble themselves before you to give you that thing so that their prayers are no longer hindered. Jesus, thank you that you will forgive us, that you are a God of second and third and fourth chances. And it's not that we get to abuse those things. Lord, it grieves your heart when we mess up. But you love us that much more that we can humble ourselves to you and give you those things to you. Lord, help us to the next time that we pray that we realize that we're connected with you. And so may that give us that confidence to communicate with you more and more this week. Jesus, I pray that we are a church who is so on fire for you and that we are just in this constant communication with you. May we be that church for our community because we've spent so much time with you, speaking with you and you speaking to us that we can't help but to share this with our community, with our friends and our family and our co-workers because we have been communicating with you. Lord, as we continue to worship you, this living God, may our hearts just be poured out to you in all things. We give you the praise, the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you rise with me as we worship?